it's not that it's a terribly complex situation or it's a secret knowledge only for you know varsity Christians, but the picture's not quite so slanted one way or the other. So let's let's get into it. Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Well, Tony, it is that time again, my friend. How have you been the last little bit here? I've been doing well, so, but got some water and, uh, you know, <laughs> other things. Yes, so. this is, it's time for the bell has rung for round two. It has, yeah. Ding, ding, right? <laughs> Yeah, so you know we normally start these things off talking about baseball. This uh, we can loosely tie this to baseball, but how are your Orioles doing? So I think they were uh, at last I checked, which was a day or so ago. Uh, they are eight and were eight and nine. So for the Orioles, that is dramatically better than they were expected to be. I mean <laughs> by a lot. So uh, how about your Braves? They're doing. F- Fairly well. I mean, they're under 500, but uh, Ronald Acuna is putting on a show, but he got hurt. So anyway, I, I think you know they're they're in the pack, uh, they're in the hunt. Um, but you know, we're less than 20 games into the season, I think. So, um, but you know, talking about baseball players, they make a lot of money. I mean, even the guys that get paid minimum salary, what is it like? $450,000 or something like that. Do you something know? Something absurd, yeah. So I don't know exactly what it is right now, but it is quite ridiculous. What they make. Yeah, and I mean, some of these guys, they make more in one inning than either one of us probably make, you know, all year, maybe combined. <laughs> but uh, th- those are the, the very high-end guys. But uh, do you ever talk about money with your friends? Yeah, not a ton, I don't think. I mean, maybe uh, every now and then, but uh, not in the way that... Uh, I, I guess I should talk more about gold teeth that I'm going to get put in and stuff like that. Nice, nice. I had a friend that actually wanted to do that in high school, uh, and there was another friend whose dad was a dentist. He's like, yeah, man, my dad can do it for you. Um, thankfully, he didn't make that move. But anyway, uh, yeah, money is just one of those things that can be taboo, especially talking about personal finances. Uh, don't talk about you know religion, politics, money, that kind of thing. But a friend of ours was over just the other night. He had dinner with us, and somehow we got to talk about investing and money. And he was just kind of thinking through, talking over some ideas uh, with my wife Tiffany and me uh, about how to view and how to use his money. And uh, he's a guy of some means, and he's single, and he had actually made some significant gains recently with some investments, and he wanted to make a a purchase that was a pretty big-ticket item. And he's wondering if he could or not. And now, I don't have the authority to tell him yes or no. It wasn't something that was like, you know, inherently sinful or inherently righteous. Uh, but I just said, well, you need to ask yourself what your motives are. And anyway, he wasn't raised by Christian parents, at least as far as I understand the situation. I think his mother became a believer 
while he was an adult. So his mindset, you know, wasn't shaped by that as he was growing up. He became a Christian at some point when he was younger, but really he's having to work this through and think it through in his adult life as a, a follower of Christ. Uh, but today that's what we're going to talk about, young people and money and, and what responsibilities Christian parents and church leaders have in helping the next generation to view and to use money. Uh, because the Bible speaks quite a bit about it, doesn't it? Oh, definitely, without question. So, I mean, Jesus himself uh, speaks a lot about money, but you know, a lot of the teaching that I've seen on on money and resources, it well, you got prosperity teaching on one end, and just God wants to make you rich, and then that's you know obviously not where we're going to go. Uh, but there's some of it. It's just it's simply practical and sort of wise use of resources, which is not bad. Um, I don't want to imply that, but it may not always address or regularly address the bigger picture. Uh, it just assumes some things. Sometimes makes good assumptions. Sometimes make bad assumptions. But uh, and then there's others that can view money as just like downright evil. And it's not that it's a terribly complex uh, situation or it's a secret knowledge only for you know varsity Christians, but the picture's not quite so slanted one way or the other. So let's let's get into it. Um, Tony, when did you first start having money of your own and what did you do with it? Uh, yeah, so I uh, I made money pretty young at uh, a pretty young age of my. I think I made my own money uh, the most clearly starting at like age 14. Uh, at age 14, I would tassel corn during the summer. You know, very. this is very much, you know, a Midwest story right here, uh, <laughs> heart of the Midwest. And uh, during the summers, yeah, I would work at least one summer. Uh, during the middle of the summer, we would go, I think I was 14 years old, and we would go, like, be sent out by bus, and for, like, 10 hours a day, I would, you know, pull the, uh, that detassel corn, and, uh, you know, not even a minimum wage, because I think, you know, Illinois had some kind of agriculture laws that allowed that kind of stuff, but, uh, the uh <laughs> but so i really started having more of my own then i mean i worked with my dad who's a home builder some before then but uh more consistently around 14 and uh in terms of what i do did with that actually the first lump sum of money i i made i remember we got uh kind of one big check for the work for that summer and i bought a an electric guitar because i was in a band then uh specifically a german electric guitar called the schecter s1 flame uh that had a pink flame on it that I thought was kind of edgy, uh, and nice. uh, the, so I. But but it, it is interesting because I made a lot of money, relatively speaking, in high school. From that point on, I worked a lot in high school. Um, I think by senior year, I was working like thirty-five hours a week, even during school. Uh, but I really burned most of it. Uh, we talk about baseball a lot on this, but uh, but I was not, I'm nowhere near the fan that I was in high school, and I would go to you know Brewers games and blow all the money, uh, getting nice Brewers <laughs> tickets when I had no reason to do that. So, for example, how about you? Okay, yeah, I mean, I I got some. I, during high school, I did yard work and stuff for people, and I had my dad actually had the idea, um, not just going cutting grass, but going and edging people's yards. And so I bought an edger, and then I would go and edge people's yards. And uh, it was surprising how many people were willing to pay for that, um, just for that simple service. Now I also started incorporating some more things with it, but um, I'm much more of a, a saver than a spender, and so. As a, even as a younger kid, 
before I could really go out and do some of those things, I would save my money and I didn't even put it in the bank. I was kind of weird. I mean, you would have thought I grew up in the depression or something when the market crashed and banks were failing. Um, I had this progresso, I think, no, classico spaghetti jar and I just stuffed money down inside it. And I think I was like 16 years old before I finally opened a bank account um, because I just wanted to see the money in there. And so, I mean, I think I had probably close to $2,000 just stuffed in a glass jar. Um, and so, I mean, I did buy things here and there, but I was just very reluctant to spend my money. Um, well, so what shaped your your view of money um, as you were growing up and as you're starting you, – I mean, you, since you, were, you were hustling at a young age and uh, – what what shaped it, and and when you were converted in high school, uh, did your view and your use of your money change significantly, or in any ways that you can think of? Yeah, so I think originally my view of money was shaped mostly by, I think, a pretty rank materialism and a desire for you know fun to kind of live it up in the moment, uh, as seen. And you know when you're spending all your money on paint jobs for your car and uh, and brewer's tickets. Uh, that's probably not a great <laughs> use of your finances. Uh, <laughs> the gold teeth, whatever. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but I, I actually did, you know, uh, when I was saved, uh, I think there was some change in that. You know, I was still stupid with my money, but uh, I did give some to my church when I got saved. And, and I even used some for discipleship uh, resources as uh, that was increasingly becoming the focus of my life. You know, I uh, I, I like to say I was in the uh, cutting edge of Amazon. Uh, back before Amazon was a big thing, I was buying, you know, Christian books on Amazon, I remember. Uh, sometimes not the best Christian books on Amazon, but some nonetheless. Uh, the I remember even, uh, do you remember who, um, uh, the, do you remember the NUMA videos? I do. I also remember... No, 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 it was not him. You, you, I remember you in a prayer meeting calling out some other uh, teacher who uh, was already more pronounced as a false teacher at the time in college. But yes, I do remember those. Yeah, well, I rem- I spent some money on a bunch of resources from him in high school uh, to really help people out with that, uh, unfortunately, from Rob Bell. And uh, I came to regret that bad use <laughs> of my money. So probably no worse than, probably no better than, you know, going to more Brewers games. But uh, the uh, uh, so, but I did still spend pretty dumbly. How about you? Well, I mean, I think I was converted at a younger age, and again, I I, I remember distinctly, I, I, as best as I know, I was about seven when I became a Christian. I remember being about 10 years old and laying in my bedroom, I think I was on the floor and I'd been reading my Bible or something, and I was praying, and I was just struck with this awareness that I was greedy and, and that I did not want to share. It's not just I didn't want to give other people money, I just didn't want to spend it, I, I just wanted to, you know... It was like in the Lord of the Rings, you know, my precious. I just wanted to like look at it. And uh, I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me out with this to make me more generous. And I I think there were little incremental things over time. I I didn't begin some uh, habit of, you know, progressively giving more money to people. I mean, I did try to – I made the practice of tithing if I remember right. But uh, it it changed – some and just the Lord was working on me, and then uh, at a point early on when I first had like a, a job where I got a W two um, in college, the Lord 
I suppose it was the Lord. I don't think it was Satan, you know, impressed on my heart and my conscience really struck me that I should give uh, at least of the, the meager resources I had a significant gift to, to missions that year. You know, we're Southern Baptist and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so um, I, I did that. And I think it did help kind of peel my the the grip that my fingers and my heart had on material possessions um i've not since done that um as far as to that degree but it was something i don't regret doing um but so tony i mean does the bible view money as some undiluted good or just irredeemable evil uh like what is a big picture just really concise summary of what scripture says about money yeah, that's a really good question, and I think a really important question in, in talking through this kind of issue. But I think the Bible mostly presents uh, money as a means of exchanging goods uh, rather than uh, necessarily uh, something inherently evil uh, and exchanging uh, means of exchanging goods and services, which is why um, they use things like even as early as Abraham's day, like there was noting how much silver and gold Abraham ha- had. You know, he didn't have that silver and gold because he was picking his teeth with it. He had that silver and gold, you know, because that was his means of exchanging goods and services in this kind of case. And uh, so I think that is an important aspect that we need to understand with uh, the, what the Bible says about it. But beyond that, I mean, God, the Bible is also very, very strong about the, some of the abuses of money. Uh, so we see in like Psalm 52, uh, 7, uh, that uh, see, uh, it's a seed of man who would not make God his refuge, but trust in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction then. Uh, and I think this passage really, uh, and even more the broader passage, seems to imply that God destroys people who trust in their own resources. Uh, the, uh, the, we see, um, in first Timothy six ten famously talks about love of money. It says the love of money, uh, leads basically implies it leads to all sorts of evil. Uh, it doesn't mean that money is evil, but it means that the love of money that kind of goes with that is, uh, that will lead many people down those kind of dangerous roads. Uh, but, um, uh, the uh, for, but we often then we think about that as like a you know almost a, an advocating socialism <laughs> but uh, Proverbs twenty two seven seems to suggest that love of money can be uh, a sin that rules over the poor just as much as it can rule over uh, the rich uh, and lastly again first first Timothy six I think first Timothy six seventeen through nineteen uh, which is not long after the money is the root of uh, you know love of money is the root of all the evil stuff. Uh, Timothy, Paul tells Timothy uh, that, you know, money can be a resource used to actually serve other people rather than just, you know, something that can destroy. Uh, what, what do you have about, from the Bible about money? Yeah, the, the picture about money is, is mixed. Um, I'd say in one sense, maybe this is going too far, but in some ways it's neutral. Um, it's not just it, – it's dangerous. Um but it, it can be a blessing from God, but can also become an idol, just like all of God's gifts. I mean, food can become an idol. Uh, you know, their God is their belly. Their end is destruction, Philippians talks about. Um, but riches can fly away, we're warned, that, that they are not a stable source of putting our hope because 
you know, the stock market can crash or like Job experiences. So not just talking about money and currency or, you know, cryptocurrency or whatever <laughs> people want to, uh, to use to buy and exchange goods and services, uh, but resources that they, they can fly away. Uh, Proverbs 30 verse eight says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Uh, it's this preferred way of, you know, that poverty is not to be preferred, but neither are riches. And you, you quoted uh, from First Timothy about the desire to be rich has caused great harm. The, um, those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap in many foolish and harmful desires, and so it plunges people into destruction. So it can be a very dangerous thing. Um, I think Jesus' teaching on money, can it, it's a, a window into our soul, and it can show what our, our hope is, what our value is. Uh, we can't serve God as well as make money, uh, you know, what we're really after. Um, you look in Revelation, which picks up on stuff from the prophets, from Isaiah and, and others, where Babylon is put forward as uh, Babylon in all of its riches and its commerce and its sophistication, its judge, because the people are just so gripped by it. Um, but yet the New Jerusalem is paved with streets of gold and there, there's an abundance. And so it's not that we're going to live in a desert you know, with the Lord forever. Um, and so I, I think it's it's a nuanced picture. It's not undiluted good, but it's also not irredeemable evil. Um, so we, we've kind of already established this next thing, but we can discuss this a little further. Should we teach our kids to desire to be rich and to pursue goals that will help them to achieve that end? And we've already quoted a verse that said basically don't – it is dangerous to desire to be wealthy. But, I mean, should we – teach our kids to go after things that are going to help them be wealthy. I, I would definitely say no on that. I mean, unless they can get some really, really good gold teeth out of it. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> priorities, man. Yeah. Uh, I'd say no, but we should teach them that it is honorable to pursue provide ways to provide for their families. Uh, and, um, I think that is an important aspect of it and, and not just ways to provide for their physical families. I think we should teach them that it's important to find ways to provide for their spiritual families as well. Uh, and I think some of that is going to come through a lot of hard work and, and in a way pursuing, uh, you know, resources, not necessarily pursuing, you know, generational wealth type deal, but uh, pursuing the ability to have resources to bless others with. Uh, but I think that we should frown upon a life that lays up treasures in the last days. You know, I'm, I'm not to adding a Bible verse, but this allusion to the end of James, uh, where he does not have a high view of those who kind of live it up for the last days. And, and we should actively discourage that. We should frown upon that for uh, the discipleship of our kids. Do you agree with that, Ben? I would say big picture, yes. Um, scripture, again, it doesn't condemn uh, wealth and riches and resources. Neither does it say go pursue those with all your heart. And so I think it, it's important that we, real, you know, again, not to just like Proverbs 30 verse 8 said, you know, give me neither poverty nor riches. We shouldn't, on the other hand, then encourage them to find some sort of job that will, prov you know, provide a kind of uh, income that will be just the bare minimum either. I mean, would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Whenever yeah, possible. Just, say that again. Yeah, I mean, to the degree of possible, you know. I, I think that, uh, you know, that we can really rejoice in the Lord. And, and that shouldn't be our biggest focus. But yeah, it definitely should be a factor. But I really like what you're saying about thinking, yes, provide for your own family, but also for your spiritual family. How could you be generous? Uh, John Wesley famously said to make as much as you can, to save as much as you can, and give as much as you can. Now, I mean, I don't know that Wesley could point to a specific chapter and verse like you just said, but I think there is wisdom to that approach. I mean, some people are just really good at making money. Um, I mean, this friend that I was mentioning earlier at the beginning, he's talented. He, he knows how to uh, generate income, and Lord has blessed him with that. But even as he's done that, he's tried to be generous. He's tried to, even in his business dealings, how can I personally minister to someone? And so even just kind of reshaped how he's thought about some of his business endeavors. Um, but I mean, we need Christian neurosurgeons and uh, oncologists and stuff. And if, if you enter some of those industries, the paycheck is going to be good, but you don't necessarily have to live up to your means. And so um, I think it's just how, what we celebrate in our homes and uh, that kind of thing, spirit, uh, celebrating the things of the kingdom of God and what what is most important to him versus riches and what riches can bring. Tony, how much of our kids' views and uses of money and resources is going to be caught from us as parents rather than taught by us. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of this is going to be uh, really caught from us. Uh, and I think that's a really good question to ask there. Uh, but uh, And I think one of the ways that we are going to see this is uh, they're going to catch it a lot because it makes a, a difference in a way, you know, when we put physically in the offering plate right now you know with COVID a lot of people can't put physically in the offering plate but uh a we've got an interview coming up after this uh that was recorded prior to this and uh, Larry Steen talked about that when his childhood and seeing that kind of the act of physically putting in the offering plate and uh I think that uh even doing that act is something that teaches our, our kids. Uh, but I also think a certain uh, financial responsibility focus uh, done in churches can effectively demonstrate a kind of fiscal irresponsibility idolatry uh, that we might pass down to our kids as well. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of ways that we can uh, teach more whether intentionally or unintentionally by what we do with our kids than what we, you know, what we actually actively teach them in this area, I think is a great question. What are your thoughts on this, Ben? I think it's some of both, but yes, our, our behavior speaks very loudly to whether it's our children or whoever else may be watching us. Um, I think it is important that we are intentional to teach things to our children. Um, there are dangers if we don't, but we also need to model it. And a friend of yours that uh, that we had on several months back, a missionary doctor, talked about we can uh, we can say God is valuable, or we can live like God is valuable. And you know, obviously, we need to do both. And so show. And I think uh, John Piper has said something to the effect that that we use money in a way that shows that money is not our treasure. And I think I've heard him talk at some length about resources, and 
but he doesn't make a penny from his books. All of it goes into a foundation, and they just make the books available on their website like in PDF form, and they give them to to pastors in countries that where they have limited resources. Um, and so even he lives in inner city Minneapolis, and even though um, I mean, he talked about he he got specific uh, at one point towards the end of his pastoral career, and I mean he was a pastor of a very large church, and he said he knew the day would come when the church was going to want to pay him more than a hundred thousand dollars, and that just like thinking through that, um, and I mean most people aren't going to be that specific, uh, but just the way he was talking about it and. Anyway, I, I think the long story short, our kids are watching us, and so how we use it to show that money and the things money can buy are not our treasure uh, is really important. Amen. So what kinds of truths are, ought Christian parents seek to instill in their kids about money and resources? Yeah, it's a good question. I think God— um, delights when we share especially for kingdom causes uh, i think that is one uh a kind of truth that christian parents should seek to instill in their kids for sure about money uh i think understanding that you know it is good god god loves it when we share when we give uh to his when we give to our brothers and sisters in the lord when we give to causes that lead to his mission to be made known more and more uh but i also think also we should um the truth that we should also teach our kids is we shouldn't put our hope in the, you know, our IRA. I'm not referring to the Irish Republican Army, uh, <laughs> but, you know, those Roth IRAs or car bombs, to the, <laughs> traditional IRAs. And, and we shouldn't put our hopes, you know, assembly then in a 401k, maybe if you have it. Uh, and I think that is a significant aspect of this discussion that, that we need to have, that we need to pass down to our kids. Uh, and, uh, and then I'll add, I think if you can provide for yourself and family, but don't, you are a burden. I think that is something that the Bible very, very clearly teaches about money and that we need to make uh, very clear with, uh, with our children as well. Uh, and last aspect I think that we can teach in terms of a, a money value with our kid uh, is that hospitality is a greater value than prosperity. You know, I mean, there are times where even if money in money that you keep, you can choose whether you know you spend the same money on you know going to all the brewers games or whatever, or you spend uh, your resources on you know really loving on and welcoming your brothers and sisters, and that is a greater value than prosperity. Uh, what would you add to this, Ben? So, well, I would agree with you on those things, and the generosity is a a big big value. God is the most generous one, and so we are generous because he has been generous with us, uh, most of all, giving his son. Uh, Some just practical things that I think scripture itself highlights, um, a lot of us in Proverbs, but uh, the value of saving beyond being generous, um, the value of self-control with your money, Um, running from debt when possible, and now some people would say it's in, it's sinful to be in debt. I wouldn't go that far. Now, I think there are ways that it would be sinful to be in debt just from reckless spending. Um, but there are other kinds that I don't think it would be sinful. Um, but also when you have a debt, to pay that debt um, and then to 
the value of earning your money by working. You, you mentioned this at the end there about don't being a, a burden to others. And, and Paul in, uh, I think it's Second Thessalonians, condemns those who are just sitting around sort of waiting for Jesus to return and expecting others to take care of them until then. And he says, no, if you don't work, you don't eat. And, and so just some of those basic management things. Um, and I, I thought about this some because I know – it's come up several times with my wife where she saw people in the – we all went to the same college, you and your wife and mine, um, and people that would go and take out student loans, and they wouldn't simply take out the amount that they needed. They would take out the maximum amount that they were uh, approved for. And so then they would get these refund checks, and uh, I could think of one person in particular, but then go on a shopping spree with it. I I don't know gold teeth or something, but uh, <laughs> and then you know racked with significant debt. Um, and I think we've talked about this before, even recently on here, where people that were considering going into missions, um, racking up just huge student loan debts, and then wanting to go into a career that's not lucrative, and you know mission boards and things saying no, we we won't send you when you have debt above this limit. Uh, and so I think just helping helping our kids to think about those things as, as you get to start using real money because it, I just – as I heard about that situation of just uh, taking the max and like why was the parent not stepping in? Did, did the parents just not really have a good handle on money? And just because you can have a good handle on it without having lots of it. I mean it's just trying to use it wisely and realizing it's it's not yours. It's God's and – what are we going to do with it kind of thing. Um, but you don't want to send your kids off into the world and then they're racked with debt very quickly. And I mean, it could just follow them for decades. So uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in stopping and thinking about what scripture says and how do we pass this on. Tony, should Christians require their kids to give to the local church. We, you, you mentioned the, the interview we did with Larry Steen and how as a kid uh, he was tithing. He gave his literal two cents to the church. Uh, should parents require their kids – and we don't need to get into the, the issue of tithing versus generosity and stuff under the new covenant. I mean I think you and I would agree on that. But um, should we require our kids if, if they make money cutting grass or edging yards or – detasseling corn should they give that money a portion of that to the local church or to other causes yeah you've mentioned before and you know in the podcast that a lot of the things that we discuss are, are things that are taught in scripture but i think are underemphasized in the church uh you know that are you know real clear biblical issues uh but I think for this kind of issues, and some like it, uh, this is far more of a Christian wisdom type issue. Uh, I, I don't think the Bible overtly gives us an answer to this question, uh, you know, for all of his family. And I think families are going to disagree on that. Uh, but, you know, I, I personally, I would teach why we give uh, very, very much. Uh, and I would strongly encourage an aspect of sacrificial giving. I know we've both talked about, you know, we have probably wouldn't require as much necessarily always a 10% tithe. But I, I would strongly, strongly encourage my kids if they profess Christianity to um, the to uh, give sacrificially. But I'm not going to like pre-tax uh, take from their allowance if I were to give them an allowance type deal like that. So how have you been? 
so I, I guess I'm a little more draconian than you. Um, I would say yes, and again, I think it falls into the issue of Christian wisdom. Uh, and I'd say yes to build a habit, because I think there are other ways maybe where we would require something of our children, even if their heart is not fully in it. Uh, say they've offended someone, they've sinned against someone, uh, seeking forgiveness, you know, and that's and some people say don't do that. I mean, that's something that we have done, um, just saw wisdom in it. Uh, and so we do, and this kind of, we'll get into this in a minute about allowances, um, but we just, as, as cultivating a habit and seeing it's a priority, we do have our kids give. And they really haven't bucked at it too much. And we also take a, then a portion uh, that we sort of pre-tax and put it in an envelope uh, for saving. And then the rest of it goes in their piggy bank and, you know, they like to go to the dollar store and, and buy silly stuff sometimes. But um, one really, really wants a, a Barbie dream house. But they're about $180. So so are there other uh, money pri- – and again, I, I wouldn't say if someone didn't do that, that, that they'd be in sin. It's just something we've chosen to do and, you know, with some reason. But are there other money practices you think we ought to try to cultivate in our kids' lives? Yeah. I, I think some aspects here that we can consider is uh, I, I think budgeting uh, is smart. Uh, that being said – I, you know, and I think that is something that we should really consider with money practice with our kids. I, I also think that there is a school of Christianity that kind of overemphasizes budgeting uh, in an unhelpful way that becomes, you know, uh, you know, it, it almost it very, very much regards the resources as our resources to deal with wisely. And, and there comes a pride, I think, sometimes in that approach. But still, budgeting is wise and good. Uh, but it can be also good to save some at a young age uh, so that uh, we can provide for one another so that Christians can provide for the church, even through great hardships, I would say. Lastly, I'd say one other thing I think we can teach them for mon- wise money practices is tipping and generos- generous wages can be a helpful way to really open up people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I think that's sometimes a forgotten aspect of this, uh, but I think a great thing that we need to teach our kids about money is that pay somebody an honest wage and, you know, and make sure that when you're at a restaurant, you're tipping, tipping decently well. And if you're if you don't want a tip, uh, when somebody is relying upon a tip, you know, go to Burger King. So. Go to Burger King or go to another country where they don't require it. But yeah, it's <laughs> just this is how things work here. So, uh, so you're saying that the like the hundred dollar bill tracked is not that's not good. No. Yeah, don't don't do those unless you put an actual like hundred dollar bill in there. Um, <laughs> if you want to give a track, that's good, but give a good tip. Uh, yeah, I, I like the things that you said. Uh, one, this is just a very practical thing. Again, not some kind of law, just something I think that could be helpful. But encouraging your children to to use their own money to buy gifts, maybe at Christmas or birthdays or things like that, um, even if it's just you know for the immediate family members. And that's something that we have. I don't even remember how it started. I think we encouraged the kids to do that. Or maybe I, I don't remember. But the, I mean, we took them to the dollar store, so it wasn't you know significant amount. But there have been times where they took initiative to use their own money to buy, whether it was Tiffany and me or each other gifts. And so I mean that that was encouraging for us to see that they were using their own their own resources and, and not just well, yeah, it's, it's it's easy to spend mom and dad's money. 
um, but when it's going to cost you something uh, here. And uh, thinking about it from you know an older older uh, kids perspective and he said something he tries to encourage the students he's working with to think about their money like you said being generous and you know the things that a lot of teenagers are buying is food they go out with their friends and get coffee or chick-fil-a or or whatever and so sometimes instead of spending it all going you know what i'm gonna hold this i'm gonna save a little bit of this so that next time i go with my friend i can buy my friend food and just be generous to them, or especially my non-Christian friend, and get an opportunity to talk to them about about Christ. And so I liked just that it's that intentionality, being generous and using it to to be evangelistic. Um, and the thing with budgeting, I think you're right. There is some it can there are some problems with it, but at the same time, I've done premarital counseling with couples, and often, uh, well, here you talk about going out to eat. Uh, a number of them have gone, man, we really stopped down. We sat down and looked at how much money we were spending eating out, and it was appalling. And we realized, okay, we need to get this under control, and we could – that's money we wouldn't have to use on that. We, we could do some other things with it. Um, but just having some sense of, of what you're doing with the money, I think can, it can lead you to actually be more generous if you're thinking about it like that. Yeah, that's good. So how about, this is just another practical question, Tony, but what do you think about uh, allowances or uh, earning money for doing work around the house, uh, things like that? You talked about paying a, a fair wage. I mean, do you pay your kids the federal minimum wage or uh, or this, the one that some folks want to raise it to? Or how's that work oh. at your house? My, my heavy, heavy guess is if you factored in uh, that uh, free electricity, you know, free food, and uh, <laughs> you know, a house, uh, the roof over the heads, we probably do. Uh, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, I, I think mostly this kind of issue again is, is a wisdom issue, Christian wisdom issue uh, about allowances and them earning money from it. Uh, in my opinion, uh, the money for cleaning and whatnot, uh, you know, when when parents do that, when parents, you know, give their kids money to, you know, make their beds every morning uh, as they're expected to, uh, I think what that kind of makes the call to honor parents more of a transaction rather than uh, an act of obedience. Uh, and it's more of a job than rather than, uh, I think, a service of the Lord. And I don't find that to be terribly uh, healthy. Uh, but I think it can be good to give them money for exceptional chores so that they can learn what to do with that money and whether they you know, use it foolishly or not. Uh, or even just divvying out some spending money can be wise. You know, Of course, uh, I, I don't think anybody that listens to this podcast would say uh, you know, when their five-year-old goes out uh, to get ice cream with a friend, they should be expected to pay for it through a job that you know, they're filing taxes on. Uh, we're going to give them some money. Uh, but it can be maybe it's wise in some cases to divvy out some, you know, uh, money a week. But I think the idea of allowance as like a wage for doing the basic chores that, you know, everybody does uh, is probably to me not the wisest thing in the world. Uh, I also think encouraging employment for young people can actually be a real area of, of uh, of strong wisdom in a lot of cases, though. Uh, and I think that can teach a lot of those same lessons without, you know, making obedience to God a uh, job for them. What do you think, Ben? I, there's, I like your thoughts there. Um, we have 
chosen to do an allowance within the last two years or so. And at the, my wife's suggestion, I think it was good, we decided not to do it as well. If you do these jobs, then you get this. It just you're part of the family, and we're going to bless you. And we wanted to teach them about money and about giving and about saving and about spending. And so it was just each month you you get this amount. And uh, I don't think we've ever – I think that maybe there's been one or two occasions where someone got docked something, but it wasn't because they didn't do chores. It was related to something else. Um, and I, th- I – yeah, as far as the, the extra job, something, doing some exceptional work, hey, if if you're willing to do this, we'll, we'll pay you something. I think that can be wise. Um, but yeah, these are definitely not mandated by scripture kind of things, um, just thinking through your situation. So, Tony, how can churches help in this process of teaching young people about the, the way that God wants us to view and to use money? I think when mm-hmm. we make those that we elevate in the church, just those who have uh, financial prosperity, I think that can be a dangerous thing, and it can teach our kids some unhelpful things about money and about the about the wrong kingdoms. Uh, I, I think also next generation ministries should practice some financial moderation uh, in this, uh, you know, and I think that's something that can teach them. Actually, uh, it's funny because uh, our ministry, we're used to, we buy a lot of generics as a family, and we probably would if uh, we were millionaires. <laughs> uh, it's just probably financially wise sometimes. And our teens love Dr. Pepper. And uh, for a while, we started getting this generic uh, that Dr. Pepper, a specific generic Dr. Pepper for a time where teens would come over to the house and it was called Dr. Bob. And it became so much part of her youth ministry calls her that, like, that they draw pictures of Dr. Bob and all. And, and I think some of them even follow. Do- there was a Dr. Bob fan made Instagram page uh, that they follow <laughs> on Instagram, right? And. We, you know, this isn't nothing. I, I want to expose them the idea that, you know, we're not going to. The next generation ministries don't exist to give the glamorous lifestyle. They exist to, even in small ways, show that we should sacrifice for the, for the greater things in the kingdom. Uh, maybe that's a, a silly example, but uh, another soda example it shows I drink too much of it. Uh, is when I was in you when I was on a youth mission trip. I remember in high school, and I think I brought this up before. We were told uh, we were told if we're going to buy anything uh, for anybody, like at a little, they had you know little bodegas type places uh, in the town we were at, and if we we're going to buy any kind of snackage for ourselves, we have to had to buy something of the same value for a local down there, and so you know. I'd buy my, you know, I'd go to buy a Mexican Coke uh, once or twice, and I actually probably bought less of it because of that, uh, and I have to buy one for that, you know, for somebody else as well, uh, and so, you know, I think that had an impact on me, and I think that was a useful thing to kind of teach sharing in a way through the church, uh, but also, lastly, I'd add, and this is, I think, Stay tuned for the next podcast. It really relates to this. Uh, but really celebrate when kids give a smaller amount. I, I've, I've heard sermons that have made negative comments about, you know, hearing change hit the uh, f- offering plates. You know, basically, we want, you know, the bills. We don't want the change. Uh, that can really legitimately damage uh, a child's uh, focus on, on giving. I think we should celebrate when, you know, nickels and dimes hit the offering plates from kids that want to sacrificially give. Yes, yes, uh, definitely. I think uh, it's too bad that, that folks would condemn that because 
uh, it's the heart behind it that, that matters most to the Lord. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. I do like what you were talking about, just trying to even find small ways within the church. See, we don't always have to have the best and the, the brightest and uh, have the coolest of this. And we did one episode on the the setting that you use, the space that you use to do uh, next generation ministry and how nice should it be and these kinds of things. And uh, I don't think that we're required to go do it out by the mango tree or something because some churches in the world, that's where they they don't have a building. Uh, Actually, a pastor sent me in Africa, sent me a picture this past Sunday of his church gathered and it looked like there was just like plywood and stuff. And, but you know, but the saints were gathered there and the kids were sitting on a dirt floor, but they were there to worship the Lord and to encourage one another. And so I think it is good, especially in posh America, uh, most places in America, at least, and the experiences that we've had in churches, you know, there, there's some level of resources, just helping them to, to realize uh, we don't have to always have the best. Um, well, Tony, as we kind of close this up, how can churches equip parents to teach and to model a Christ-oriented view and use of money? Yeah, I don't have a lot here. Uh, I think it's a good question, but uh, uh, I just uh, I want to say a couple things. I, I would say encourage families to uh, read uh, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. I, I think that's, you know, it doesn't talk as overtly about money, but I think it, call, it talks a lot about a sacrificial lifestyle for the kingdom. And I think that's a great read for families uh, and parents to read to have a, the mentality that we should have towards resources. Uh, and then I, I might say, you know, churches can, uh, can uh, equip parents in that way by, you know, maybe even if it's just in your family ministry, you know, even if it's just in your children's church or whatever, bringing back an emphasis on like Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong offerings in some ways. Because I think those kind of things are going away more than they have in the past. Uh, these kind of special acts where, you know, we come together and we gather to give towards uh, missions. And for non-Southern Baptists, those are both special missions offerings uh, based upon uh, two women that were Baptist missionaries in a way. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I, I like that. I, I think t- piggybacking on the mission stuff, um, just that regular call to give and to to sacrifice, uh, I think can be a good thing. And, and helping families to think about that uh, specifically, to, you know, pray and 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 uh, ask for the Lord's wisdom on that. And you know, Paul talks about in Second Corinthians, uh, whatever someone has decided in their heart to give, and however that happens in their heart, the Lord's at work. Um, but calling people to generosity regularly and even just through the the general teaching of the church sermon application um those kinds of things to help shape people's conscience based on what scripture has said you just got a a biblical healthy view of the use of resources the book don't waste your life is is a good one uh another good book is the treasure principle by randy alcorn i haven't read it in, in quite a while but it's a very small little book uh Let's see how many pages it is. I have it right here. Uh, probably no more than about a hundred very small, but yeah, 120 small pages, and the print's not that small. Um, but just talking about uh, it's unlocking the secret of joyful giving, and um, thinking about 
where your treasure is, Hel- helping parents to live that way and not that their final treasure is, like you said, the, the IRA or the vacation home or uh, whatever the, the physical good may be. Um, on the other hand, because there are people, I think you and I probably have been more influenced by the kind of John Piper and not specifically David Platt, but he's kind of in that mold too, where it's more on the ascetic end, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. At times. Yeah. Yeah. And I have been, uh, and so sometimes it's, it's difficult for me personally to enjoy the gifts of the world. In in a right way, I think in a way that would please God. I mean, because you you brought up First Timothy six, where he talks about how God has given us all things to be received with thanksgiving, and um, I mean, you read uh, Ecclesiastes, and there's this repeated mention of the tangible things of life and enjoying them. Uh, and so there's a book by a guy who's, I think Piper actually wrote the forward to it, uh, but it's called the things of earth. Uh, his name is Joe Rigney. And he teaches at the seminary that's there at Bethlehem, uh, Baptist church. And he is kind of taking the other side of things that, uh, the, the things of earth actually grow strangely bright in the light of God's glory and his, his grace, um, that we, and I'm only about halfway through this book or so, but it has been helpful for me just to think about those things. So that, that would be a resource. Some reason we're kind of throwing out resources at this point, but, um, because again, it's not just, well, make as much money as you can so that you can build generational wealth. Um, but it's also not, well, live like paupers necessarily no. um there is a proper use of enjoying money and, and for the sake of your children and, and inviting others into that joy and uh, i mean back to that the friend that i was talking about at the beginning um he was the, one of the, the big ticket purchase that he was thinking about was a car um and he i said you know it's not like the bible says well you can own a toyota that's okay but you can't go to the luxury end of of that company and get a Lexus. Then then you're in sin. Like it doesn't draw those kinds of lines for us. Um, it it just tells us to weigh our motives. And then you know, First Timothy six just is very helpful on this topic. Uh, and so I think a church just having a good sense of what Scripture teaches about this, so that it can just it kind of bleeds out with time. Um, one last thing, you talked about the missions offering. I know when the church I was at in uh, Kentucky, when we were in seminary, we had had uh, goals for those offering. Like this year, we're going to try to give X thousands of dollars uh, to the missions thing. And after we had been there for, I don't know, two or three years, uh, we got a new pastor, and he had a big heart for missions. And he said, you know what? Let's try just not setting a goal. And let's just all ask the Lord what he would have us to give, and let's just be generous. And that next year, I, we blew the, the previous year's giving out of the water. Um, and then it, it, like each year, it kept getting more. People just get, got more generous and had joy in it. And so I think that is a it's – a, in, in the end, it wasn't a ton of money because it wasn't a really big church. But uh, I think it was something that was helpful for the church and the families in it. Uh, well, Tony, thanks for – talking about this stuff with me uh I know you and i have had discussions about money over the years at, at different points and uh but i think this is an important topic that scripture addresses that maybe we don't emphasize as much in the church so uh, mm-hmm. thanks for lending your thoughts and uh all that too. amen good word so 
Have a good day, brother. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.